Don't get emotionally tied to the business just because, and this is also because you're talking to a human. It's not all about the numbers. It's actually also about the people or that business owner that you're buying from. You are listening to the Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. When I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm the founder of an award-winning real estate investment firm and actively investing in commercial real estate all over the country. This show allows me to interview, dive deeper, and deconstruct many passive wealth principles, not just from investing, but tactics, strategies, and many fascinating ways in which people have achieved levels of passive wealth. Through my nearly 20-year career as a professional investor, I've built an amazing network of people and come across some super savvy investors. Not only do they have a unique stance on the marketplace, but look at the same problems we all face and many times have come up with a simple but unconventional approach to solving them. This is why I'm so excited for this podcast. It allows me to unpack and have a more in-depth conversations with these special guests. Selfishly, It's a platform where I get to ask the questions that would never come up in a normal conversation and I get a chance to learn and dissect their best strategies and you get to be a part of that process as well. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversations and these amazing passive wealth principle lessons. Welcome to Passive Wealth Principles, What I Learned episode with for or with, not with James Richardson, is about James Richardson. What did I learn from James? Uh, This is a super exciting episode because it's a topic that I think is becoming more and more relevant every single day. I'm seeing more of this pop up is buying businesses, especially small businesses. So James uh, had a very unique uh, approach to this. He actually studied music uh, uh, in college, got a bachelor's degree in, in music, and he approached it in a formulaic way of you know approaching music. That has then translated over into his life, or as far as he um, things that made sense from a formula. He got into math and actually became an accountant for uh, PwC, a, a big, huge, big four accounting firm out of London. He then transferred over to New York and he was working for years and for over, I think it was 12 years or in total, but doing restructuring, corporate restructuring for companies that were either failing, that were distressed, early stage or late stage, working through either ca- chapter uh, 11 bankruptcy, how they could sell off things or, you know, part, part them out. And so I, his skill set is so very unique from most people that are getting into like buying businesses. Uh, and so what he has been able to do is take that skill set or that knowledge base and then apply it to buying good businesses and, and really the due diligence of not buying distressed businesses. And so that is, I think, a huge little nugget of what I learned is, you know, he dove in. He's like, do not or I do not recommend people getting into a, a restructure or buying a distressed business as thinking, look, I can get into it for cheap because it is an incredibly stressful uh, environment. And oftentimes it doesn't have the cash flow that you need to then, you know, fuel this uh you know, enterprise that you're taking control over. So, um, 
he advises, and I think that is wise and sage advice, is do not go buy a distressed business just because you can get it for little to no money because the stress and the time may not ultimately be worth it. And so when he talks about this, is actually buying a healthy business, a business that is 20 or 30 years old that is still in existence is uh, a much better way to enter into the small business buying uh, realm. And so that just because that business has been around for 20 or 30 years, typically they just don't go out of business instantaneously. There's usually indicators in a slow drag and it gets less profitable and less profitable and less profitable over time. And that is also, you know, something that he can maybe correct the ship and come into it, into an industry that um, maybe he's not experienced in, but he understands some of the financial uh, components. He gave a lot of interesting insights um, that I think the top three, and I'm going to dive into those, is the three things that he sees that are mistakes or that are coming up when buying a business. As number one is people get emotionally tied. Uh, you know, I see this a lot in real estate investing is you, you're emotionally committed to buying this property, even though that there's red flags that are coming up. He talked about how a seller of one of the businesses, not his that he bought, but somebody else he knew, a friend or somebody that he coached, and the seller was pushing for a fast close and they actually said they had cancer and that's why they were pushing for this fast close. The reality was they didn't have cancer. They were just using that and they were lying to try to get them to close faster to get on the other side of that. And they've ultimately found out that there was a lot of issues with the business once they did acquire it. So that was one of the lessons learned is, is like sometimes take time in your due diligence to make sure that you're buying the right business for you. Uh, number two is you're not going to know everything. This is so true in so many things of life is you're not going to know everything once you buy a business or a real estate or an opportunity. You may get 50, 60, 70% of the knowledge that you need to know. But one of the other really important factors that James identified was you never know anything, but you typically don't get access to the people in the organization when you buy it. So those relationships that you start building when you buy this new business become incredibly important because they are the lifeblood of that business and you've never been able to ultimately talk to them or connect to them. And so if there's a new owner coming into the business, they're going to have lots of anxiety about that. And so what you, when you first buy that business is just being an observer, getting to understand who they are, how they work, what opportunities do they see that can help improve that business? And, uh, you know, hopefully you can maintain and keep those key personnel, but I know that is because it's stressful. That's also one of the critical times in which you could potentially even lose some of those, uh, critical employees because they feel like they were stepped over. They didn't get an opportunity to, to voice their opinion or buy the business or something else along those lines. So you, when you first start and make sure that you're prioritizing relationships and the relationships with all the people that are working within that organization. Hey, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk about something I get asked about quite a lot. Who does my social media video edits? Well, lucky day, I'm gonna share that now. It's 
Fat Unicorn Media. Whether you're in real estate or not, Fat Unicorn Media is super clever with some very exciting video edits on the short form video content. And they specialize in it for real estate professionals. They know how to talk like real estate pros because that's exactly what they do as their niche specialty. If you're looking to elevate your video content and social media game, visit them at fatunicornmedia.com and book a free 15-minute call to see if they can help you too. It's been a game changer for me. It's freed up so much of my time. They are literally the who, not the how. I believe it'll work for you as well. Thanks to Fat Unicorn Media for sponsoring today's episode. And now back to the show. Number three, the uh, third thing was meetings and getting meeting cadence. Uh, I typically, you know, uh, my experience in being in a lot of businesses, a meeting sucks. Meetings suck. And so the reason that they suck is because they don't have a proper framework. They're not done consistently. They're not following. And so he uses traction or EOS and entrepreneurial operating system and an L10 or level 10 meeting that is weekly, that is 90 minutes, that is structured. It starts on time. It ends on time. And then one of the biggest and most important things is developing a scorecard with six, eight, 10 at most leading indicators for the health of that business so that you can know what is going on in quick order and succession of what is happening in the business. As mentioned earlier, like businesses don't typically just go out under overnight. It has been a slow, you know, drag. And so if you can track and monitor your working capital or the amount of proposals you're putting out or the aging of your accounts receivable or accounts payable, you know, all of those things, you start you know, measuring some of those and looking at them, you can see the health of the company that is, you know, looking forward into the future. So those are the three most important things. Don't get emotionally tied to the business just because, and this is also because you're talking to a human. It's not all about the numbers. It's actually also about the people uh, or that business owner that you're, um, you know, buying from. Also, trust but verify. So your due diligence. You're not going to know everything and prioritize relationships when you get into acquiring that new business. And number three, that meeting cadence and developing a scorecard so that you can quickly evaluate the health of the business overall. So, and I wanted to go back to some definitions that I learned and that I think is, is important or like rediscovered is the differences of the type of buyers of businesses. So a, a financial buyer versus a strategic buyer. So a financial buyer is someone that is buying that business for the cash flow. They're buying the business to then make a return on that investment. If it is a, uh, a concrete company, they're going to go in and they're going to buy it based on the cash flow that that company has historically produced. And then they want to then, you know, leverage or get access to that cash flow versus a strategic buyer, a strategic buyer might be someone like a home builder that wants to acquire that you know, concrete company to add on to their existing business that can then lower their cost of, you know, building houses. And so a strategic buyer, nine out of nine times is going to pay more money for that business because they're doing it for different strategies that don't necessarily tap into the cash flow. And so first time uh, business buyers, 
should probably mostly be focusing on being a financial buyer and buying the cash flow that exists. That goes back to that point of not buying distressed businesses. If it doesn't have cash flow, you should probably not buy it. Focus on being a financial um, a buyer. And then uh, the other little nugget in which um, I think James identified was who he's buying from, or at least who he's finding success from buying from is people that are retiring from their business. So tech startups or SaaS companies or these other, you know, uh, very trendy and exciting businesses um, are nice. And there's certain people that want to buy those. But he's found that, you know, this this older, you know, established business that the owner is just retiring has been a better successful path. You can sometimes be more reasonable with the transition and the multiples in which you're buying. And then you position yourself for for ultimate success. And again, you're not necessarily buying a distress, you're buying somebody that's just tired and wants to be done and sell the business and they're maybe in their 60s and they want to retire now. And so I think those are some really great nuggets that somebody could take away from that we dive into a lot more in detail in the actual episode that you pull out. Um, also how he plans, you know, putting it as a, a the difference of platform company or having, if you're going to try to exit in three to seven years versus holding it forever. Those are some of the things that we dive into the full episode. So you can check that out on wherever you find your podcast. If you're interested in hearing more about passive wealth or business buying or systems in general. This is what I write about every single week on, you know, at passivewealth.com. There is a weekly newsletter, an email newsletter that comes out that talks about some of these uh, components, contrarian takes, uh, frequently asked questions, nuanced and, and diving into some people's story of how you can better leverage these systems. And that's done in for free in three, four, five minutes every week that comes out on Saturday. Sign up at passivewealth.com for that newsletter. You can find it on my Instagram bio and a lot of other places out there. And we look forward to connecting and hearing from you soon and you getting started on your passive wealth journey and stop trading time for money. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If the episode made you think of someone, go ahead and take a screenshot and share this episode with them. You can tag us or find us as a podcast at Catch Knives or me personally at Jake.RealEstate. For those investors that are listening to this and want to be able to take advantage of distressed investing opportunities, a perfect place to start is my best-selling book, which also happens to be called Catching Knives. It's a full breakdown and guide on how I and many of my partners take advantage of opportunities in distressed commercial real estate. Go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and grab the book there as there's a few book bonuses that I know you'll love. Once again, www.catchkniveswithans.com. Take care and I'll see you in the next episode.